Hello, listeners. It's Matt. Uh, I just wanted to tell you, uh, with some apologies, that I lost my audio for the movie we were going to record to release a podcast on this month. Uh, that was The Thing from Another World in 1950, uh, 1950s version. Um, Andrew did save his, so it's completely on me. It's my fault. I, I messed up. Um, so I do apologize for that. Um, and rather than re-record... Uh, an episode of a movie that neither of us are super um, are super in love with. I'm going to release our po- our Patreon, an excerpt anyway, part of our Patreon bonus content. This is going to be the excerpt where we primarily discuss the 1982 thing. And then I'm going to tack onto it as a sort of additional uh, note of apology, our bonus, a, a portion of our bonus episode on Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 1950s version of that Um but uh, just to just to sum up our coverage of the '50s uh, thing from another world, I, I went on uh, at length about liking Howard Hawks movies and uh, whether or not this is a Howard Hawks movie, or uh, you know whether or not he directed it or not was always some contention. And then uh, Andrew uh, pointed out that the performance by the lead Kenneth Toby is wooden as hell, something that comes up in our thing 1982 coverage. So. Uh, you really didn't miss a ton, Donnie, to be honest. I mean, I guess if you're choosing to listen to two guys just sort of jammer on about horror movies, I mean, you kind of know what you're missing and what you're not missing. So uh, without without any further ado, I'm going to release the first half of our Patreon episode on The Thing. Hopefully that um, goes some way uh, in apologizing. And then I'll be back to introduce our second Patreon bonus episode. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast Patreon coverage of the 1982 John Carpenter film, The Thing. 1982 movie directed by John Carpenter, starring Kurt Russell, Keith David, and Wilford Brimley. Uh, adaptation of Who Goes There by John W. Campbell and a loose remake of the 1951 Thing from Another World. Yes, all those Which facts you, summarize... you delivered were true. <laughs> Would you summarize uh, The Thing? Yes, Please. okay, so some Norwegians in a helicopter try to sh- kill a dog, and then they get killed <laughs> by some Americans because they run into their base and start shooting, and one guy, like, fucking, this Bart, Buster Keaton asshole blows up his helicopter <laughs> by dropping his <laughs> grenade, and then, mm. like, the dog turns out to be a bad alien dog, and then mm-hmm. all the people turn out to be bad aliens, some of the people turn out to be bad alien people. And then Wilfred Brimley smashes a lot of stuff, and he has a noose, and but he's also a bad alien, and then everybody dies. Hell yeah, hell yeah! So this is, uh, you know, Jared Carpenter, one of my favorite horror directors. I think, yeah, uh, made has made a ton of good movies that I, that are. Uh, this is, I wouldn't say this is my favorite John Carpenter movie. What would you say your favorite John Carpenter movie is? Uh, probably They Live. Okay. Have you seen They Live? I have not. No. Have you seen any other John Carpenter movies? Maybe. I might have seen Halloween once. Halloween. Escape from New York. Escape from L.A. Nope. Nope. Um, he made the Invasion of the Body Snatchers remake. Uh, Vampires. Wait, he I'm did? saying all the bad ones. I don't know why. Oh. Not the one we... He made the other one, the newer... That's right. I was, I was like, remake. I didn't think he no, did. No, 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 no. Not Body Snatchers. Um, Village of the Damned. Oh, okay. I know I'm skipping over like a, some good John Carpenter movies, too, when I'm talking. Oh, so this movie is um, 
the first of his uh, unofficial apocalypse trilogy. Okay. Oh, that has the other like two mouth of Ma- mountains of madness or mouth of yeah, madness. Yeah. So the th- the thing is the first one. Prince of Darkness is the second one, and at the mountains of madness is th- at the mouth of madness, or I think it's just the mouth of madness is the third one. Um, all three are excellent movies. Um, they are. Oh, and I'm forgetting Big Trouble in Little China, which is uh, an excellent movie. Not all horror movies. Some of these are like action movies or science fiction movies. Yeah. But um, a bunch of great movies. But this is definitely like one of the... Uh, this is one of the grossest ones, probably. Uh, it's got like a real gross-out style that I really enjoy. Uh, even even like when I was in high school, people would talk about this movie like, "Ah, oh, it's too too gross." Like, even though it had been out for you know twenty five years or whatever by that point. Yeah. Uh, what do you what do you what do you think about the thing? I like it. Yeah, I think it's controversial stance. I, this this is this is what we call a zero napper for me. Yeah, and that I did no, not fall asleep once. <laughs> if you listen, it'd be hard to fall asleep during this one. If you listen to our main feeding. In which I referred to the thing from another world as a full sleeper, in which I fall asleep entirely and I watch the rest of the movie another day. <laughs> this is what we call a zero napper, which in, I never fell asleep at all. Some, sometimes, even in movies I enjoy, like I'm, I'm too comfortable, it's, it hits a lull, I just like doze off for a moment, you know? Yep. Not this one, though. No. No, this one's all the way through, wide awake, better than I expected. Well, a lot of tension. Um, I, in my mind, I was going to be like, ah, you know, well, people say they like it, but it's probably not going to be as good as you think it is, you know? Like, it's going to mm-hmm. be, like, fine. And, you're gonna, like, the cracks are going to show a lot more. That kind of thing. Yeah. But. But but that's not, that was not your experience. No, largely not. I mean, I think, I I always forget that this movie was panned when it came out. <laughs> For how, oh, it was like, annihilated, yeah. For how revered it is now. Yeah. But, like, some of the complaints back then are not false complaints. Like, how a lot of the characters are very shallow. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's true. They are, like, very one note. Or Well, there's only, there's, or, only, there's like, 12 or, of them. <laughs> they don't... Or, or, like, zero note in some cases. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. That guy whose name I forget. You know when they're doing the blood testing and the guy who turns out to be the thing? What was his character? The... Was he the... He was the radio guy, right? No, no, it wasn't the radio guy. He's the one who chomps the radio guy. Oh, I don't remember which one that was then. That's what, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it, you're total, That's actually totally totally fair criticism of this movie is that there's a bunch, bunch of interchangeable Right. I'm the guys, cook. And then I'm, I like dogs. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm Kurt Russell. I'm Kurt Russell too. <laughs> well, Kurt Russell... Keith David and Wilford Brimley, I think, are the strongest yeah. sort of like. But I mean, to be fair, Keith David's character is Kurt Russell too. Right. <laughs> like, they're the same right. guy. Yeah. Which is well, they don't trust him because he's, he's the black Kurt Russell. Right. So he's, he he, he's the black Kurt Russell. And they won't give him Kurt won't Russell's give him the, the white Keith David. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. They're just yeah. like the same character, sort of, but one has more screen time. Yeah, this was, a, this was actually a pretty big failure, too, like box office wise. Well, I mean, I think it went over i think it didn't lose money oh okay i thought it was a lot i thought it was a, was a complete like a failure got panned and lost money and i think it's like a studio failure where it didn't make enough money yeah, okay fair enough fair enough i think it let me see because I, I feel like it made like 1800 or 18 million on 16 million or something like that 
Mm-hmm. Is that is that counting like the ticket cut from the theaters and stuff like that? Uh, just budget of fifteen, box office of nineteen point six. Yeah, so I mean, it probably barely made money, if at all, and then. Um, but I, it's had a long life. Yeah, it generated a lot of lucrative uh, video games and things. So, sequel comic books, haunted house attractions, yeah. novelization, <laughs> novelizations. A, uh, a, a prequel movie. Yeah, starring Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, you, also called the Thing. You forgot that it, it was composed by Ennio Morricone. Yeah, the score composed by Ennio Morricone. That's a bit. That's a big deal. Um, which is, I, th- I think John Carpenter still did the main theme for this. It certainly had a John Carpenter feel to it. Yeah. Usually one of the best parts of his movies is his scores that he does himself. Um, I'm going to look that up because it, it had like that sort of like synth thing. Yeah. Um, but are you looking it up? Tell me about what you're I am finding. looking at. Uh, John Carpenter, the thing theme. Carpenter picked a piece. No, but Morricone composed it. It just resembled. He picked it because it resembled something he would have written. Oh, perfect. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this... Okay, so the weird... If you come... Let's cut to the chase. We watch this because we also watch a thing from another world. So it's very natural to compare the two. And I think these two movies are... They have the like the same premise, but they are radically different movies. They're like not even the oh, same. Yeah. They're not even the same movie at all. Well, this this one is so more faithful to the book. It's more faithful to the book for sure. Except, except, key point in the book, most of the, uh, a good amount of them survive. Not most of them. Some of them survive in the book. Yeah. In this movie, well, they're probably like true marines. So, well, they they end up killing in the book. Spoiler alert for a novella that came out in 1938. In the book, they uh, do eventually... Uh, Blair is locked in the shed like in this movie. And they go out... The, he's like the final thing that they discover. And he's been secretly building a spacecraft. Like he is in the film. Yeah. And they uh, set him on fire. And they're like, well, geez, that was close, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and this movie obviously ends with uh, the two Keith Davids facing each other off, pleading out, unsure of how to even verify if they're both human, and sort of uh, soaking up the Nile, like like the 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 in, 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 ineffectuality of even trying to solve that problem. Right. It's a much, it's a much more nihilistic take on it, which also I is think. part of what it got panned for back in the day. Oh, was that part of it that yeah. it was too bleak, too nihilistic? Okay, too nihilistic. Okay, um, too too, I don't know, too devoid of hope, something, which seems like a weird thing to review a movie for, but maybe the the atmosphere of the time was different. People were in different headspaces, you know. So I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do as much research on this one, but I am now looking at the Wikipedia page, and your buddy Kenneth Toby of the lead of the yeah, movie. oh yeah, yeah, they they've both hated it, and the director yeah. hated it as well. Yeah, the director said it was a terrific commercial for JMB Scotch, which is a good line. Yeah, if you're gonna slam um, something, it's not bad. Ah, but the the um, Russell's hero is no more is more no more of a cipher compared to. 
Toby's rounded character and Howard Hawks is the thing. Yeah, he was sure he sure was round all right, round like a fucking <laughs> shapeless blob. Um Yeah, that, I think that was I think I read an interview by Kenneth Toby. He's like I like they acted too much in that movie. Personally, I would have turned <laughs> the acting down. <laughs> it looked like they Less were emoting. It looked like they were there to be in the movie where I was just there to check in for a day and get a paycheck <laughs> and get through it as quickly as possible. They have no work ethic, these kids nowadays. I was doing three pictures a day. I would go in, read my lines, walk out, not even think about who my character was. Ugh, fucking that guy sucks. That guy sucks. In that character, at least. I, I don't know. What the, I don't know. I can't speak to the man personally of Kenneth Toby. But that character doesn't sucks. have good taste in movies, that's for sure. I mean, I think it was just for if, probably if you were, you know, an older guy in the early '80s, and this movie comes out, yeah, it definitely represents a sea change in the what kind of stuff they're going to show on a movie screen. I, just, I can't believe it's so gross. It's not even that gross. Let's be real. I mean, no, it's not. There's grosser movies, but I will say uh, there's an artfulness to the grossness of it. You know? Yeah. There's like it's very like there's a lot of design and it looks nice. It's not it's not like Hannibal where it's like let's make art pieces out of our grotesque yeah. murders, right. but there's also like a lot of design to the the creatures where it's not just like purely grossness. No, and I but I do think they went out of their way to be gross or yes. to be gory. I, I think that was like a um like a thing you know they did ah like a thing. Um, like a thing, like yeah. a like a specific aim was to be like, a, yes. kinda like we're gonna we're gonna show how nasty uh, this shit will be. Yeah, it looks great. This, this shit can be. Yeah, but I, I like the, I like the gore. Uh, it's got that like the 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 eighties gore is like a real. Um, I really like how it's just you, what I like to see in the movies. Go ahead. You can't like nail down the form of the thing often. Yeah. It feels like the closest to, you know, what you might see as like like that cosmic unknowable shape. Yep. Well, it's it's definitely like um the one of the probably the most like Lovecraftian movie. The best, sorry, the best at 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 depicting that primal fear, the right. cosmic horror thing. That that's I like I can't think of a better movie. Even even movies that were supposedly adaptations of Lovecraft, right? By John Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he doesn't. Even the, the Mouth of Madness is just a pastiche. It's not like sure an adaptation of a particular story. There's no mythos monsters. Because I think John Carpenter rightly recognizes that the important thing, like Lovecraft's viewpoint, would also have been that it, the names of the monsters, like Cthulhu showing up, is actually not the important part. Like it's actually kind of irrelevant right, who the monster he's is. He's just a guy with a weird squid face. <laughs> yeah, like like the amount of actual mythos that Lovecraft wrote is like very minimal. Like there's no, it's barely even hangs together as a mythos. He just like wrote wrote some wrote some monsters, reused them a couple times, reused the names a couple times, and let people other people use them. And then it was later writers who turned it into this like uh, pantheon. It, it was you know it was. Um, Lovecraft fan writers and then role-playing game authors who had to systematize right. the stories and, and give the uh, monsters recognizable traits and Lovecraft cinematic and like universe. That. Yeah, like that was not none of that's even remotely in those books. Like, there's barely like there's sometimes characters are referred to in three different ways in three different stories and described three different ways in three different stories. But uh, uh, it was only later people who reconciled that, you know. 
I don't think Lovecraft could have given a shit one way or the other. That was not the important thing. And I think John Carpenter rightly recognizes it's that that the scary thing is the cosmic horror. It's not the um, not the need for specific monsters to be in the show. Yeah, I love it. I like the way it looks. I like the creepiness of like the practical effects and like it's so stretched in the way it's it's shot that you never quite get a good glimpse of it. So you're never quite sure like what it looks like Mm -hmm. outside of bits and pieces. Love that spider head though. Yeah. (laughs) They're a little freak. They're like, dude, what the (laughs) fuck? Come on. And their reaction reaction to it. it. (laughs) Yeah. That was, (laughs) it was truly like, that's, that's legitimately hilarious. I think. (laughs) When it, they just like see the thing strolling away, <laughs> yeah, and they're like they're like what the fuck, <laughs> and then it just screams a bunch. Yeah. So this movie, if you want to compare this also to Invasion of the Body Snatchers, two things mm-hmm. that this, two parallels that they have. One, big like a lot of screaming. The, the monster screams a lot now, and that kind of yep. very guttural scream. And two, big dog upgrades. Like dog it, upgrades. Yeah. In in the original Think of Another World as dogs, they kinda die but they're regular dogs. This one, oh that dog gets freaky. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, there's a lot of time spent with the, same with the body snatchers. Trigger warning. Trigger warning if you uh don't like dogs dying. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh, fifty minutes of this podcast. Don't, yes. Don't watch the movie. And then same with Invasion of the Body Snatchers. She freaks out because almost a regular dog gets hit by a car and that's her thing, but in the remake it's that guy with the dog face. <laughs> the dog with the man oh, face. Yeah. That's right. Ba- <laughs> I forgot about that. But, I was wondering what the hell you're getting at with the dogs. I completely yeah, forgot about that. Very was, memorable yeah. scene. <laughs> well, because in the first one, it's just a dog almost gets hit by a car and she freaks out. But yeah, but then they upgrade to the dog with the man face. Yeah, that's a big big upgrade. Yeah, so that's two double upgrades for these movies in parallel. And I was actually thinking about recently how I think like that husky is like yep. my peak dog that I like. You know. Yeah, when they're th- very, very handsome dogs. When I think about a dog, that's the kind of dog face. It's got a very ideal dog face. It's it's like nice and big, like a dog ought to be sometimes. Well, you know, we we differ on that account, but sure. I, something something about it, I just look at it and go, that's like if my brain defaulted to a kind of dog, it would be that dog. I'm, I'm a devoted uh, Chihuahua fan myself. It's, they're fine, but like in my mind, oh, they're fine. They they lack Hear the- that, buddy. Hear that? You're fine. <laughs> he lacks the feral wolf qualities. I don't know. Get another dog in there. <laughs> he doesn't have like that wildness to him, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, I'm a big fan. Can you imagine? Yeah. You've, have you seen like the the t- genre of tweet that's like, uh, wolf walks up to a fire, and then the next one is like a pug wearing a dress or something like that. You no. know, like what what do we do to these poor wolves? Oh, I I understand the sentiment. I have not seen it. Yeah, I've seen a few different versions of it. I just didn't know if you've seen well, it. Anyway. More, more, more dogs nowadays you wear bracelets and eat stew. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> oh, man. Also, um, like, really good acting on that dog. Like you the, think so? Like the original dog? I mean, yeah. or they shot it very well. Yeah. It's more what I mean. Yeah, that probably is. I don't think the dog was pretending. So. No, like dogs, how could a dog, a dog can't act? <laughs> Yeah, but they like shot it very well, as if the dog were acting, which I was like surprised at how well they did that. It made it seem like it was actually like acting as if it were an alien. 
mm-hmm. when really it's just a dog, <laughs> just like staring off screen. <laughs> but I mean, that, that's that's a mark of I think solid filmmaking. Yeah, they, yeah. They like they, they the know where to put them. They knew like put them on a table. That, that, that's weird. A dog would not be standing on a table like that. I mean, that's that's like the kind of thing that Carpenter is good at, which is like very like not not super flashy. Like when I'm talking about Zack Snyder here, but like yeah. there's a lot of like. No, uh, well set up shots that are very workmanlike, and but but do what they're do what they're supposed oh, to. Oh, you know? like when they're talking to Wolfie Brimley through the slit, and you got that noose taking up half the screen. Yeah, <laughs> exceptional. Um, he's like, "No, I'm fine, you guys. I'm fine." All while it's just like <laughs> dangling back and forth. <laughs> uh, good, good performance by Wolfie Brimley too. Oh good yes, when like when he's smashing everything. That and also, I like. I really liked when he was like, he's doing his computer simulations. Oh yeah, and it was like, what will happen? And the computer was like, everyone will die. <laughs> I, I love movie computers. Yeah, <laughs> like very, very good. Like, but, like, like what program I mean, is it, that that can do that? I mean, even today, they can't tell. Computers can't tell whether you want socks or you bought socks last night. And right now, it's like, I mean, back then it was they, they could they could uh, they could answer any question. <laughs> run these elaborate game theory tests uh given like probably like two variables like right um yeah but i, I think the acting's overall pretty strong in this one yeah especially compared to the old one I, I, they aren't given much to work with but i think they do good stuff yeah. with what they're given yep also that that uh, that grenade is comical <laughs> at the very beginning oh what do you do he like yeah. drops it backwards and blows himself up in the helicopter. Yeah, I, I, yeah. It's clear like yeah. we need to get rid of this helicopter. How do we do it? <laughs> uh, when I guess really it could have just been smashed like the rest of the helicopters, you know? Yeah, like when he go when uh, uh, Blair goes on his destroying binge. Well, he's salvaging binge because he's building the spaceship. Well, well, I thought he was really. Oh really? Is that? I thought it was he was he destroyed it, and then he got taken over by the thing sometime after that. Well, when else would he have been taken over? Oh, I don't know. Couldn't it go under the door? I guess it. That could he was have. locked in. I guess it. I guess it could have. And that's yeah. But I don't know. I guess it. I guess that's the point of the movies. You never know when. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so I uh, seeing a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, a lot of things about about masculinity in this movie. Yeah, I. I and I sort of wonder, to me that to me that these these takes that it's about masculinity because, uh, let's see, let me get a quote. Identifying the thing requires intimacy, confession, and empathy, but masculinity prefe- prevents this as an option. Uh, to me, that's like, I feel like there's probably no women in it because uh, the story doesn't have any women in it, and I don't I, I don't think there was probably more thought put into it than that. But that's it's just an interesting take that it's like this. Right, it's a uh, mixture of that, and it's just like that—that's what movies were for a long time. Just yeah, right. It's of, like not just a pile of dudes. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that is like an interesting. In your 2022 version of the thing, I think that's a very interesting thing to approach. I don't know how much they were thinking about that yeah. in this movie. Yeah, uh, one of the one of the people who gives this quote is Noor Berlatsky, Berlatsky, who is a. Uh, uh, his takes on movies are often absolutely insane to me, I guess. Um, 
I respect the side of the thought he puts into these things. Right. But if you read like some of his articles, I can't wish I could think of some better ones, but uh truly truly strange takes. Um this this take does not seem is not as strange as some of his other ones though. Sure. Like you can see how you can abstract I it's kind of like when I feel like we've talked about this before the idea of whether this was on our show or just us yeah. personally. The idea of well I'm going to bring far more to this work than it brings to it itself. And I'm going to, you know, I guess that's like death of the author is not like bringing far more to the work than it ever was intended. And bringing your own interpretation and ha- having that supersede what, what clearly was there in the first place or what was not there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I mean, because I could I could see that that like you you talk about like how, you know. It's, you can comment on masculinity and how their their impulse, and rather than to like behave rationally and like just like relax and not separate themselves and like go off on their own constantly like they do, and they just stay together and work together. Instead, no, everyone wants to you know shoot off like the fucking yeah, right. John Wayne captain of the Arctic and solve everything themselves, and you know react with violence first and foremost except like right i mean when you're using violence to prevent more violence but i guess it seems more likely that uh the masculinity was just president that that sort of toxic masculinity was sort of present in the uh writers and makers of the film then uh at, at like a root level rather than something they consciously wanted to comment on right Right, like it's they're, they characters act like that because that's how the the writers and creators of the film think that the characters should handle a situation like yeah, that. Yeah, they're reflecting the times, not like reflecting on them, right? Or projecting, not reflecting. Is that sounds smart, right? Yeah, sure. That's what I'll say. They're projecting the times and they're not reflecting on them. Which is why I say you could do that now and you could easily easily change very little but use it as a way to reflect on that. Mm-hmm. And make it feel more deliberate. Rather than thinking it was deliberate. Most of our conversation regarding uh, the thing 1982. Um, from there, we talked. Uh, we tend to get off topic, as we do on the Patreon episodes. It's usually about an hour long, and about half of it is uh, about the movie. I guess, generously speaking. Um, so, uh, but as an additional sort of uh, apology for not delivering the thing I said I was going to deliver, here is a uh, edited excerpt of our conversation about. Uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 1950s version. Hello and welcome to the GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast, where we talk about horror movies and other things. 
Today we're talking about the 1956 Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I'm joined here with Andrew. Andrew, hello. Hello, what's up? 1956 Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. Um, I have my little sum- I have my little introduction here, and it says 1978, which is wrong. It's 1956. Yep, 1978 is the other movie. This is the one where it all sprang from. This is well, that I mean, book by Jack Finney. You mean this, the serial literature by Jack Finney? Was it a serial? Oh, it was in a magazine, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. This... Did you not watch the movie, Matt? It says it right at the beginning. I, I watched it two weeks ago, so I might have forgotten the title card. Um, really slacking on your journalistic integrity. This movie was directed by Don Siegel and stars Kevin McCarthy and Dana Winter. Uh, not the Kevin McCarthy, who's the Republican House leader. I know you thought the same, same thing last time. It's not that guy, Andrew. Yeah, he, at a very young age, he was a movie star back in the 50s. Yeah. <laughs> Don Siegel would later direct uh, Dirty Harry, I think, and among other things, probably. But D- Dirty Harry is the one that comes to mind. Great uh, yeah. great sort of uh, uh, old pro type, type of director. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, this movie's kind of like a precursor to Dirty Harry. How so, Andrew? <laughs> well, there's a bunch of outsiders who I don't like in my town, so I'm going to get rid of them all. Yeah, fair enough. And and does, does Dirty Harry have that that underlining xenophobia, or am I thinking of Death Wish? Uh, they no, they both do. I mean, okay. I, I, actually, I, I it's been a while since I saw I've seen Dirty Harry. No, but what is the name of that first movie? It's not Dirty Harry. Um, uh, but there's I know there's a it's like rock it's like Rocky style first blood yeah or Rambo Rambo style first blood Dirty Harry um so he uh, it's like it's like gunman bulletproof serious shooter no I guess I'm, I guess the first okay. one is called Dirty Harry I'm wrong okay the the, the other the, the other ones the other are other called the other ones are called Magnum Forest, the Enforcer, Sudden Impact, and Deadpool. But the first one is called Dirty Harry. They're just not named okay. Dirty Harry Two, Dirty Harry Three, etc. Right. Um, the uh, killer in that is a is a is a hippie. Oh, okay. So, it's, but uh, there is a lot of, um, at least as I remember, a lot of uh, Clint Eastwood like beating up gang members and stuff like that. It's not as explicit, I don't think, as Death Wish, but I could be wrong. Death Wish, I believe, also had to, to bring it all back. I think Death Wish is also a very early one of the Death Wishes has um, Jeff Goldblum in it. Does it? Yeah, I've never it's seen like any of, his, of the Death Wish movies. Neither, neither have I, but I remember seeing it like a clip that, like, oh, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, you know, that was it. Was his very first movie. Was the first Death Wish. Is he swore he's swarthy enough to be like a to be a, he, a hoodlum he, to play freak number one? <laughs> freak number one. There we go. That's a whole. Yeah, a that's a whole. Uh, that's a whole story. Death Wish, Charles Bronson, like kind of thing. That's a, that'd be an interesting podcast discussion, but I'm not prepared for what? it. Well, just the what? whole thing about um, that guy, Charles Bronson, was basically about to retire, and he was just like doing like one movie a year for like yeah. money, and then they, he was in that and just kind of like started this whole second career for him in his fifties. There's more to kind of like more to it than that, but yeah, what's kind of like John Travolta. A little, what was, oh yeah, kind of, I mean. In Pulp Fiction? Yeah. Didn't, and he just, he just really had that one, one movie, right? I guess he was in a bunch of hits after that too. He was in The One Where He's an Angel and The One Where He's a Psycho, Psychic, and the other one. Isn't there one where I mean, he gets he, his face he, swapped and. He became a household name again <clears throat> when he was like fading out. Yeah, no, that's fair. 
That's totally fair. Similar, I guess. Yeah, very similar. You want to summarize the Invasion of the Body Snatchers 1956? Yeah. Um, see Invasion of the Body Snatchers 1978. <laughs> very similar. Very similar. Uh, except they get it. Except they they win at the end, sort of. Yeah. So this one, um, the differences between this one and the last one, and this one, uh, it's literally a small town doctor. Where in the other one, uh, it was a San Francisco health inspector. So there's a different yeah. like setting and vibe. So this is like. People he knows every day are changing. Um, or are they? Or they're just going about? It seems like they're just going about their regular routine, right? <laughs> um, and aside from getting like the trucks full of pods, yeah. And, and then, uh, so there's a quote that I I promised I would give for this one uh, in the last one. Well, I've, I've been waiting for like three weeks for this quote so this quote is from don siegel it's an interview with guy brockert published in 1972 he says but let me repeat that all of us who worked on the film believed in what i said the majority of people in the world unfortunately are pods existing without any intellectual aspirations and incapable of love and in 1976 stuart with an interview with stuart m kaminsky siegel reiterated people are pods many of my associates are certainly pods they have no feelings they exist breathe sleep damn dude she just went in just roasting you know, humanity for, for a guy with like such strong beliefs this movie did not <laughs> was a real real run-in-the-mill film you think so yeah yeah well especially maybe it's because i saw the 1978 one first mm-hmm. which feels like it has far more personality yeah like the the actors bring a lot more to that movie than they do to this one they definitely do um so the ha- the ending in this, I don't know if you knew this, but the ending was added on afterwards. And the framing story was added on afterwards. I was going to say, yeah. So originally the movie just started, you know, no framing I, story. I, 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 I was going to click the trivia, but then it was like all 78 pieces of trivia all at once. <laughs> one of the very first, so I didn't read them all, but the very first piece was like, <clears throat> they were upset. Like you're butchering this film of the production company. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's what they're referring to. And I and I think without the framing story, you have a much bleaker film. Especially yeah. given the way the ending would the ending would be him screaming at the cars. Which actually, you know, is a very good ending, which would make the um the nineteen seventy eight one far more clever. Yeah. They does you kinda of, it kinda of feels that's I was kinda of talking about that last time when I was saying it could yeah. be almost like a conceptually a sequel. Right, but right. I mean, obviously, there's like you know that doesn't that doesn't hold up to like strenuous logic because it would have taken a long time for those pods to get from wherever they were in Northern California to San Francisco nearby. But unless they'd always been there, I guess. But um, yeah. So it, I I think uh, yeah. So the movie definitely definitely loses a bit of its edge with that with that story being added on. Yeah, cool. Because they're like, call the FBI. We've got the pod people. Lock them down. And and it's interesting because the so like it's, it's so it's so ridiculous. Like, oh, this car crashed. What was in the car? Ah, a couple of weird pee pods. <laughs> it's very stupid. <laughs> it's very stupid. Um, after this whole story, like, so unbelievable. There's no way anyone could ever believe that. Oh, you want to believe this, Jack? So, like, 
Anyway. So, um, what was I saying? The, for a, a movie that I think is sort of about how, um, like the conformity of the social order grinds you down into like this, uh, and sort of makes us indistinguishable from each other. Yeah. It's funny that the studio then would force on an ending that reinforced the victory of the social order. Not funny, funny, but funny, like ironic. (laughs) 